0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a spoiler-free One Tree Hill podcast where we analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s.
1: This week we are discussing Can't Stop This Thing We Started, the fourth episode of season four, which was written by Terrence coli directed by Bethany Rudy, and originally aired on The CW on October 18th, 2006, just three days before Jeremy Rodriguez turned 16. You always have to give that shout out. I love it.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I stole it from Jenny Owen Jans of Buffer and a Rewatch Adventure. She does that for pretty much like every other episode. She'll be like, six months before I turned eighteen. <laughs> so it's not original content, I will say that, but I just have to note that. So yeah. On well, this episode when I was watching this episode live, I was like, Wow, I'm gonna be sixteen in three days.
0: That's amazing to think big, of little Jeremy.
1: Big milestone. This is uh this is also when Jeremy thought that they were bisexual, and we'll get into that.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, this is the era of that. For sure. The era? <laughs> J- Jeremy's era. <laughs> You're Taylor Swift now, you have different eras.
1: I mean, true. I've I, I, I was Taylor Swift before she was Taylor Swift. Because Taylor Swift invents in eras, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <Anyway>. <laughs> oh, I love it. What's this episode about, Caitlin? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a look at our OTH DVD box sets. Let me break it out. The description reads, The need for speed. Nathan starts tearing around on a motorcycle. Rachel jumps above the level of hometown hottie when she poses for Maxim. And gossip that Brooke is pregnant gets around faster than a viral video.
1: You can tell they were really trying to relate to teens with this description. Like, faster than a viral video! Like, this was like the era when viral videos were just becoming a thing. Yep. Anyway, (laughs) somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better. And everything's safe.
0: pictures with my digital camera, I'm Caitlin Ellenich,
1: And faking a pregnancy, because I am such a good friend. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. There is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> so... Did you sad. notice
0: that all, like, the amount of picture-taking there was in this episode? Like, between Maxim and Brooke taking pictures of Rachel... And Derek taking pictures of Peyton. It was just like a digital camera everywhere you looked.
1: I never really thought about that, but that's a good point. That's very interesting, actually. Huh?
0: <laughs> it's so specific to the time period when that was like becoming a really popular thing to have.
1: And, and I wonder if there's like something to say about like the voyeuristic nature of it all, too. Because when you think about it, Derek is taking pictures to be a voyeur, and in a way... You know, there's there's a lot of complicated things about Maxum, like, as we know from what the Drama Queens have talked about, it, and, you know, just in general, the fact that this is, like, all for the male gaze, like, there is, like, a voyeuristic nature in Rachel's photo shoot as well. For sure. So, I don't really um, have yes. anything to add to that, I'm just like, that's just a starting point for our conversation. <laughs> 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 Definitely.
0: So, let's start off with the song that the episode is titled after. Can't Stop This Thing We Started by Brian Adams. What were your thoughts, Jeremy?
1: Well, I do want to say real quickly that uh, my mom was a huge Brian Adams fan, so I pretty much like grew up with like his entire catalog, essentially. So like, you know, hearing this song was like really excited for me. <laughs> That's personally. so cool! I love it. Yeah, because I, I grew up like I, I do genuinely, I do like Brian Adams, especially like his uh, older content too, included this song, but. When I listened to this song in the context of this episode, I started to think it was more about, like, you know, the obsessive nature of some of the characters. So for example, Derek's obsession with Peyton, Rachel, you can also say Rachel is obsessed with Nathan right now, and you can also say that Dana's obsessed with Karen, so I think, like, you know, those three right there, Well, I feel like Can't Stop the century. Restart has, you know, it, it, it is a wholesome song, like, on its own, I think, but... I think in the context of this episode, I feel like it's really dealing with the nature of obsession. I totally agree with
0: that, because I had written down the whole Rachel thing, too. Um, You said Derek's obsession, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then I was also thinking, like, Deb's Addiction, too. Oh. And in in addition to that, not necessarily Obsession, but, like, that title, Can't Stop This Thing We Started, Haley and Brooke are in this, like... They're in the middle of this really weird lie where Brooke is covering for Haley.
1: And it's like they can't
0: get out of this thing that they started. Like Haley finally at the end, like confesses to Lucas, but she hasn't told Nathan yet. And Brooke has to keep this secret and like pretend that she's, I don't know. She like tells Rachel she's not pregnant. But, like, at the same time, like, everyone's questioning her, like, she is pregnant, and it's, like, this so- such a strange storyline, now that I'm re-watching it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is really weird, because I-, I feel like the implication is that, like, Brooke is pretending to be pregnant to, I like, get the attention off of Haley, but she also keeps denying that she's pregnant at the same time to all these people. Yes. So I don't really know, like, what, the- uh, aside from misleading us, the audience, like, I don't really know what Brooke is trying to do, necessarily.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make like yeah, you're right. Like in terms of an point of like the audience's point of view here, like it's the writers are trying to throw us off, but it doesn't really make logical sense cuz she's denying it. So how is it really covering for Haley? I don't know. It's just I guess it's just giving Haley time to come to terms with it and like tell Nathan. So it's Maybe. this big distraction, but it doesn't it's not really fair to Brooke at all. Why does she have to be the one who is, quote-unquote, pregnant? It doesn't make sense to me now that I'm, like, older and looking back at the storyline a little bit more critically.
1: Yeah. I, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, this was such a twist. And it, it still is. It still works. But it's not as compelling as I once thought it was back yeah. when I was 15 <laughs> watching this. <laughs> Almost 16. Almost <laughs> 16. There's 15 going on 16, <laughs> yes. But... That's a little bit further on in our discussion point, so like, you know, I'll I'll save some of my thoughts for that for later. For Um, sure. But you said you also thought it was about uh, Deb's addiction, though? Can you talk more about that?
0: think of, like, an addiction as almost like an obsession. She Mm. has all these pills in the house, Nathan took them, and Deb was desperate enough to then, like, come into the school and get the pills from him. Oh so it's like she's in this cycle that she can't stop
1: right yeah let's let's talk more about Deb while we're organically on that time so the episode essentially opens with an intervention featuring all of deb's loved ones but i want to know why is dan there
0: yeah i think deb was right in calling that out like why would you have dan here
1: Yeah, unless Dan was the one who initiated the intervention, in which case, like, okay, like, maybe he was, maybe it makes sense that he's there. But, like, I don't imagine, like, Karen or Nathan or even Haley saying, like, oh, yeah, Dan, you should be there.
0: He's literally the reason why Deb has the addiction. Like, he is the trigger that started it all. Yeah. So, I don't know why any, I guess maybe the therapist doesn't know. But, like, why would anyone logically want your biggest trigger in the room when you're trying to, like, talk to someone about something this serious,
1: you know? Yeah. Especially Karen. I feel like Karen, like, should know better than to include Zan in the conversation.
0: Yeah so yeah, I totally agree with Deb in that in calling that out, but she did say some other things that were not so nice and I it's just her addiction was speaking. She's calling yeah. out Nathan for marrying Haley and leaving her and um, Karen never forgiving her for sleeping with Keith, which is not true.
1: Yeah. Th- then I do find very interesting about these uh, two uh, conflicted viewpoints, though, is that, like, it, it just shows that Deb is not in her right state of mind. Yes. Like, she's saying, like, oh, like, this is the reason why I'm addicted to pills. And she's, like, being completely disjointed in her reasoning. Like, oh, it's because of you, it's because of you, it's because of you. And I feel like that's that's probably the most interesting part of the storyline for me so far. I still don't like the storyline, I still don't think it's good, but it is at least, like, somewhat interesting to say.
0: Yeah, we're starting to see the side of Deb that is just not, it's, like, not the Deb we love at all. And it's a shame, because, like I said before, you know, she was desperate enough to come into the school in Nathan's class and ask for her pills, like, this is, like, the lowest low that she's been at. And in addition to that, Nathan said, here you go. And he puts the pills on the desk. It's either me or the pills. I'm warning you. And she picks up the pills and leaves.
1: It's heartbreaking.
0: So you know that Nathan was struggling with that in this episode. Because you see him soon after that. It might have been the scene after. Um, He's on the motorcycle. Yeah. And then he, he yes. falls. So... There's just that's like a really hard thing, with a parent, I can imagine. Because Na- I mean, think about it. Nathan has Deb like going through all this, and then he has Dan. It's like he doesn't really have any support other than Haley. Like that's his only family right now. It's sad.
1: It is really sad, but. You mentioned it, Haley, uh, reminded me of, like, one little scene. Uh, do you remember the part uh, during the intervention when Dan essentially antagonizes her for setting him on fire? And then Haley looks at Nathan, and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> I know. I'm starting to forget who knows about this.
0: <laughs> so I guess Haley did not know about this.
1: She did not know. That's how it was revealed to her. And I just thought that that's in me. I thought that was hilarious, personally. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Who else doesn't know about it?
1: I mean, I would just imagine everybody else doesn't know about it, essentially.
0: Other than, like, Lucas. The Karen, whole
1: family now knows at this point, yeah. Lucas,
0: Karen, and Nathan. Yeah. Does Peyton know? Oh, th- these are good questions. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't really think it would change anything if Peyton knew. <laughs> I know,
0: I know. But I was just kind of curious because I noticed that little detail, too. And I'm like, wait, Haley doesn't know? I guess she doesn't know. Like,.
1: I want a fanfic now of like each of the characters finding out this information. Like, <laughs> I feel like Brooke would be like, "Oh, good for her." <laughs> yeah. Rachel says She'd be yes. like, "Oh, cool." I was thinking the same. I feel like both Brooke thing. and Rachel would just be like, "Oh yeah, good for her." Understandable. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> but anyway, back to the intervention and like right after it. Yeah. This is basically the
1: end of Deb Rowe.
0: <laughs> it's so sad. Because Deb fires Karen.
1: Yeah, what the hell? Because apparently uh, Deb was the majority owner of Trick, and like I don't know how that happened, honestly.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make sense, because Karen's been... I remember Deb being part of it, but like Karen is, seems to be the head of this thing since the beginning.
1: Unless, like, maybe, like... Because we know Deb came from money initially, so maybe, like, you know, Deb, like, was the one who was, like, the initial investor. Maybe. So maybe it wasn't, like, on paper saying, like, oh, I own more of it. Maybe it wasn't necessarily something like that, but maybe just legally because of, like, how much money she put into it, she would have the majority ownership? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but... That's the only
0: thing I could think of, too, is, is the money, but it just doesn't seem like Deb was really working
1: at Trick much. I mean, that's how most CEOs are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they really don't do, like, the, the the actual work. It's like, you know, the lower-level employees are doing all the work, and the CEO gets the credit. So I love them to death, but, like, she's not even immune to this shit. <laughs>
0: it's, it's just sad because she only did that to hurt Karen. She didn't do it, like, for any other reason than that.
1: Right, yeah.
0: I don't like to see these two arguing. Like Ugh,
1: it's really hard to watch. I know. I want my Deborah back. I don't I don't like this at all.
0: I do too. I want them like they were on the um billboard <laughs> in bras trying to get the ladder. Like that was that was them at their finest. <laughs> I
1: wanna see I wanna see them getting some mischief and shit. Like, oh so so good. So I miss them wholeheartedly. But anyway, uh, Dan goes to therapy with the same therapist that was a part of the intervention, which I had to ask one of my uh, friends who was a therapist if this would be a conflict of interest. And she said, like, she's like, oh, I'm not sure if, like, I wouldn't legally be allowed to see a client like this, but also, I wouldn't do this. Yeah, it seems weird. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, I imagine that would be a difficult thing to navigate in general, like... Like, oh, I was just such your ex-wife's intervention, and now I'm seeing you as a client. Like, uh, eh, I don't like it.
0: It's one thing if they were still a couple, you know? But they're not, you know, because sometimes you can, like, be in couples therapy together and then separately, but that's not the case with them, so... Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting when the therapist posed the question... Like what changed or when did things change between you and Keith? And he gave that story, which I don't believe we've heard this story before, where he reveals to us that he basically, Karen never knew that he came to the hospital the night that Lucas was born because he had peeked in and had seen Keith there with them first. So he just left after that. And I'm kind of thinking, like, that really would stop you. Like, you really... But then I have to remind myself, he was so young.
1: He was, what, 18? He was a teenager, but also at the same time, like, you know, you expressed pretty much that she didn't want... That you weren't interested in raising a child, too. it's so, like, what did you expect? Like, of course there's going to be somebody else at her side. Yeah. Like taking care of (laughs) taking care of the child or Karen Karen could have also been alone. So, so I feel like if anything, uh, Dan is just angry because like, Oh, like Karen didn't just wait for me. Quote unquote, which again, this, I I said this in either the last episode or I I probably said it all season so far in the past three episodes, this whole redemption storyline for Dan isn't as compelling as I once thought it was because it just seems like Dan's just entitled
0: And think about it. At this point, wouldn't he have already gotten Deb pregnant? Yeah. So, I I mean, I don't know the Because we know they're three months
1: apart. How many months apart? Lucas and Nathan are three months apart. Three months.
0: It is three months? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Deb would have definitely been pregnant. She would have been, like, far along. Yeah. (laughs) So, where is the judgment, you know? Why... This is all about his own ego, because like, look, you already Dan has already impregnated someone else and has been with someone else. And then he's expecting to go see Karen and be welcomed back or I don't
1: know. It's
0: like he wanted to be seen as the hero to come back and be with them and everything.
1: Yeah, and was he going to leave Nathan behind in that situation, too? Like, I have so many questions. Like, was he just planning to, like, be with Karen and raise Lucas and just say fuck, to, fuck it to both Deb and Nathan? Yeah, that's a good point. In which case, I dislike him even more than in that situation. Like, take some fucking responsibility, Dan.
0: And he, you know, I, I just blame it on how young he was. Just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You should have just went into the room and made yourself known. So what if Keith was there? Keith is the uncle.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's not like he is a guy that, uh, just some random guy, you know, trying to take over and everything. I mean, he is the uncle.
1: Right, right. I feel like this just really feeds into the idea that Dan is just a narcissist. He's very self-centered in his way of thinking. He thinks it's automatically an attack on him by seeing Keith holding Lucas. Yeah. And in therapy, he also admits that he may still be in love with Karen. And then that's what the therapist says. Well, in a way, you won. Maybe that's why you feel so guilty over your brother's death. You know, not knowing the fact that, like, oh, he actually did kill his brother. (laughs)
0: But Yeah, that was a funny little cliffhanger when it cut to commercial.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when it cut, yeah, it cut right to the thing. Yeah, he said, like, uh, everything I say in here is confidential, right? I killed my brother. And then it cuts uh, the theme song. And then later on, he's like, oh, I didn't suffer from going into that school. And I'm like, come on, fake outs. Yeah,
0: total <laughs> fake out. He's a complicated guy. I really don't think he is as complicated as we think he is, though. <laughs> I feel like there's always more questions with Dan than answers, though.
1: Yeah, again, like, I'm hoping maybe my opinions change, but I remember, like, yeah, you know, my view being younger, I was like, oh, this guy is so complicated, he has so many layers, but I really don't think he has as... I really don't think there's as many layers as I made him out to be. I, give, I, I gave him a little bit too much credit, honestly. Mm,
0: I think Dan has layers. I still think he does. We'll see. We, you might not we'll see. see that in every single scene or episode, but... I think he does.
1: We'll see. But opinions can change. You know, yeah, they you can. Know?
0: That's our motto.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just like my idea of my sexuality changed. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, that's a segue. <laughs> it really is a segue. So let's talk about Rachel being the hometown hottie. I just gotta say, she looks good. <laughs> I don't want to, like, objectify. There's a lot of complicated... There's there's a big complicated history about this Maxim photo shoot and everything like that. But, like, seriously, Danielle looks good. And, like, 15-year-old me definitely thought I was, like, into it. And in a way, 32-year-old me is still kind of into it. Because sexuality is fluid, you know? Yeah. But also that that underwear that she wears like that's just like really sexy underwear and i want to wear something very similar to that i'm just saying so in a way i feel like i'm having like gendered feelings toward her <laughs> right now <laughs> I'm supposed to. i mean
0: she's definitely a really attractive woman i mean yeah you're kind of stereotypical model pretty
1: for Ugh. sure <laughs> just so so pretty <laughs>
0: I don't know how I feel about the storyline in terms of teenagers in high school as the hometown yeah. hottie.
1: Even even though, like, we could make the argument she is 18, but... Well, ugh. I mean, the actress <laughs>
0: is, or I guess maybe she is 18. Well, I mean,
1: Ziniel Ackles is, like, 27 here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the character, I mean...
0: <laughs> so I guess, yeah, because Brooke just turned 18, so I guess we're assuming that Rachel
1: is also 18. I don't think she would be allowed to pose for an up if she wasn't yeah, 18, to yeah, be honest. So. <laughs> Um, Shall yeah. we talk a little bit about the complicated history though of this uh, Maxim photo shoot though?
0: Yeah, there was a whole when this came up on the drama Queens, they talked at length about this and how like this was being included in the episode like with Rachel's storyline, but in in like real time, Daniil, Hillary, and Sophia posed for a Maxim shoot. That Mm -hmm. that we're all pretty uncomfortable doing. And Joy actually revealed that she was never asked. But the other ladies were told that Joy didn't want to do it.
1: And they had to do it because Joy said no. And it was essentially like a make or break thing for the show. Like, they're basically said, like, oh, well, like, you know, all these other TV shows, the girls are posing for these magazines, and finally there's a magazine that wants you, you should be grateful for this. So it's just a uh, really, really uncomfortable all-around. Um, and I think this magazine actually came out, like, either before or shortly, either shortly before or shortly after this uh, episode aired as well. But it is weird, though. Like, they made it a storyline for Daniil, but, like, why do they have to have Hillary and Sophia in there, too? You know
0: to leave joy out of it is really hurtful i'm and I understand like it was Danielle's storyline in the in the episode, but technically, it's the three like I know they're all regulars right now, but the three original ladies, yeah. if anyone, should be on the cover. I'm sorry that that's like really offensive,
1: yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, that, that, is, that is a fair thing, but, what I mean, I, I feel like the whole thing, though, is that, like, I know Hillary and Sophia, like, at least said they were uncomfortable. Like, do we know about DeNeal's feelings toward it? I don't remember. I don't Was deal okay with it? Was she okay with, like, being, like, half naked on the cover, or what?
0: I don't know if we ever really got her perspective, actually. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, because, I, I don't know, like, it, it would have been just a cool thing to just see, like, and, you know... Focus it on Daniil, like the newest resident in Tree Hill, so, uh, essentially. Because, like, Hillary and Sophie, I know, are like very blatant, like, don't want to do it, don't want to do it at all. So,
0: yeah, I, I feel like either it should have been Daniil on her own or the three of them.
1: The lead three, yeah. But I wouldn't imagine that would be like a storyline on the show, though. It is believable for Rachel to be on the cover of Maxim. I don't think it would be believable for Peyton. Brooke and Haley to be on the cover of maxim i know it's
0: that's like a really complicated <laughs> dynamic
1: <laughs> it, it's just a whole brand and then at the end of the day like it's a whole cross promotion then like i get it they were probably just trying to sell magazines and it's <laughs> it's weird
0: and remember hillary shared that story about the creator giving her the ipod of songs <laughs> at the shoot
1: oh yeah in
0: front of Danielle and sophia so it was like this. There was a lot going on behind the scenes. Just it's the so... whole dy- dynamic of it all. It was just like it was this power struggle. It seemed like making yeah. the women do something they don't want to do, shutting one woman out, but then telling the other women a different story of why they aren't doing it.
1: <laughs> Ugh. Basically, just making them, them like all compete against each yes. other. Essentially, it's really icky. Anyway, I've, I mean, I have heard, though, that Max, like, even Maxim as, like, a brand has changed, and it's how it depicts women and everything like that, too, and, you know, like, it still is, like, a men's magazine, it still shows, like, women scantily clad, but it's not, like, I mean, just because, like, it's not necessarily wrong for, like, a straight man to want to look at a woman, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something different how it's portrayed, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I get that. Um, one thing I wanted to note is that Sophia, later on, like years later, was on the cover of Maxim by herself mm. too. So I think that also shows like how things have evolved,
1: and I think that's what that's what Sophia said too. Sophia said like it was a completely different environment. Yeah. <laughs> it was much better at that point in time. um but another thing that spins off of the storyline is that uh you see Rachel puts a photo. Like, of her private photo shoot with Brooke and puts it in Nathan's locker. And I thought it was really cute when she says, like, maybe I'll let you preview the whole spread.
0: (laughs) Oh, Rachel. It is such a Rachel thing to say.
1: (laughs) That'd be terrible for Haley and whatnot. Like, yes, of course. But, like, its I think it's a cute line, personally.
0: (laughs) She plays the flirtatious like she does that so well Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
1: well (gasps) I'm I'm into it I'm telling you this is where like I'm you know my bisexual nature is coming through Caitlin (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean she's really attractive I I don't think anyone can deny that no matter their sexuality Uh,
1: she is gorgeous (laughs) I'm not denying
0: it at all she is nice to look at I agree Uh.
1: (laughs) But then also in this this same scene, she tells Nathan, she's like, Nathan, did you see something in the water? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this storyline is strange. Like, we've already said, like, Nathan seeing Keith underwater. Like, what supernatural element are they trying to play with here? (laughs) And now Rachel is saying something to Nathan about it, too. I don't know where they're going with this. That's my biggest question. Where where are they going with this? They're trying to pair these two characters together. Because they, like, dealt with the same thing, you know, the same trauma. Where's it going?
1: And just like I said in the previous episode, too, I feel like this storyline could have been so interesting. Because of the fact that these two do have this bond, this shared trauma. And... No spoilers, but they don't really go into that in the future. And we'll talk more about that. Let's talk about Nathan's midlife crisis, <sighs> despite the fact that he is only 17, 18, and he has a midlife crisis. So he trades in the, uh, the car with Haley, his car with Haley, for a motorcycle. And then later on, he crashes the motorcycle and gets severely hurt. And this results in Haley confronting Deb. And just says, like, just stay the hell away from Nathan. And this is when Zeb uh, says, you know, pretty soon Nathan's going to realize that college basketball is a lot more fun than playing house. I'll save you some pills. Which, like, this scene is much more interesting knowing the twist at the end that Haley is actually pregnant and not Brooke. But it's it just really, it comes off very random if you're watching this episode not knowing the twist.
0: I know. Yeah, that's a good point. When you do know that little bit of information, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more sense. But she's really digging into Haley in this episode, and I'm not liking it at all. Mm-hmm. It's like really uncalled for because I thought we got through this. You know, initially in season two, when they first got married, Deb was not nice to Haley and really questioned her. But we got over that, and now, like, the drugs are bringing out that side again.
1: Yep. Not a fan, Jeremy. Not a fan. <laughs> I am not a fan of Deb, no. <laughs> I am appreciated Barbara Allen Woods' performance, though, in these scenes. She's playing it a little campy, which I feel like this is where I have a, like, a little bit more room for her in that regard. Yeah. But should a storyline like this be played for camp effects? I don't necessarily think so. It's a little bit more serious.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah, I don't know if campy is the most
1: appropriate thing yeah I'd like to talk about happier things, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mean like the fact that that Rachel and uh, Nathan ride off together on a motorcycle that's happy, isn't it? Well, that's why I saw a live introducing that because we didn't mention that yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are some happier things you want to talk about?
0: <laughs> Lucas potentially rejoining the Ravens, yeah although he turns it down. I like where this, like, I like where this story went and how Whitey and Karen kind of, like, worked together to come up with a plan so they could play 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I know Lucas is, like, at the point where it's, like, all or nothing type thing. Like, he either wants to be all in or he doesn't want to be involved with basketball. But I don't know. It was nice to, like, for for them to offer that to him because, you know, he's having, like, a really difficult time not being on the team
1: yeah and this was kind of teased in the last episode too when uh when karen talked to dan and was like uh you know when you gave up when you had to lose basketball like you know what uh i forget what she asked exactly but she you know she she basically came to dan and then realized like oh dan's not okay right now and she doesn't want lucas to suffer from that same fate
0: yeah i think she said something like how did you get over basketball? And then he said he he didn't, or something. Or how did you let it yeah. go? And he said he didn't. <laughs> so, that, like, yeah. It, like, kind of gave her her answer, trying to make it work
1: with Lucas a little bit, at least. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, Dan gives Lucas a pep talk, like, just basically encouraging him to go back to playing the game. Yeah. Um, And Lucas is like, oh, I don't want my mom to worry. And then Dan's like... At game night, this will be the one time Karen will not worry about you, because you'll be doing what you love. Because they have the safety parameters in place, it seems like. 15 minutes per game, he still has to stay on his medication. So, they're, they have thought everything through.
0: Yeah, I hope Lucas, like, rethinks it all.
1: But we'll see. I just wonder if, like, in a real situation, like, would this be allowed? But I guess 15 minutes is okay.
0: I would hope that they talk to the doctor first. <laughs> I don't know if that was said.
1: No, they did. Yeah, okay. Karen did say, like, we talked to the doctor. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is true. I'm saying in real yeah. life, like, is, is this like a realistic situation? I mean, I guess it would be if it's only 15 minutes. I mean, even with a heart condition, I'm I'm assuming
0: that you would still need to be active in some way.
1: Right, yeah. 'Cause imagine if you're yeah. not active at all, yeah. like so. it would be worse for you when you do get active. You
0: know? Yeah, exactly. So there has to be some kind of like limit. Alright, let's abruptly change the subject. <laughs> I'm pulling <pointing
1: Yeah>. you. <laughs> abruptly change the subject to something arguably less fun. Yes. And less fun and but more clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, the
0: clean teen storyline with Shelley is introduced in this episode, and
1: I... Introduced? That means we're going to see more? Oh, no. <laughs> Yes, we are, but we won't tell you what. <laughs> this is the, just the beginning. Oh, boy. Although, I gotta say, like, Elizabeth Arnaud in this role, I really do like her. I feel like she is delivering, like, very cringeworthy lines, but she's, like, believable in it. And I do really love her, and I was really excited um, seeing her back then, because she was Alice in Adventures in Wonderland, which was a show on the Disney Channel way back in the early 90s.
0: Didn't you bring this up to me before?
1: <laughs> I brought this up on an episode of Royal Review, oh, so okay. listeners, listen to Royal Review, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, where we discuss every episode of the Travel Queens podcast. Patreon.com slash pod. It's available at the $5 level. <laughs> Great plug. Great yes. organic plug.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. She plays a good part for sure. There's like nuance, I think, in her character and everything. I don't know. This storyline just is so cringy to me. So cringy. And it's shaming and it's all being paired with the whole Brooke and Haley thing and, well, Haley being pregnant, but everyone thinking Brooke's pregnant. And it's just so icky to me. And I know we're going to have a spoiler central episode about this topic, or kind of about this topic in the future. About
1: and you talk about our special episode anti-choice narratives in One Tree Hill, which it may be honestly by the time this episode airs, it may have already been put out there.
0: We don't know, people. We have not. We don't know, but
1: it's in the works. So just look out for put that. We'll say in
0: your, as Jeremy would say, put this in your vampire
1: diaries. Or, or what, <laughs> what was it? Is that what it was? Add this to your vampire diaries. Yeah, yeah. I changed that so I like put this in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to steal all uh, the words of Latoya Ferguson, Morgan Ludich, and Jill Daffyel from the Empire Diaries. <laughs> I know, but you've definitely said it before. I have. <laughs> but I'm giving a little hat tip to those folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So put anyway. this
0: this whole storyline in this episode in your back pocket. I don't even know where to begin, Jeremy.
1: What are your thoughts? <laughs> like, well, Shelley essentially encourages Brooke to keep the baby and tells and basically informs uh, both uh, Brooke and Rachel about the clean teens, And they they say that like, oh well, we do uh Brooke ourselves. That's like kind of like a caveat, like, hey, like, you know, we abstain from sex, but we still do brook ourselves. And I, I love seeing Rachel get all excited. She's like, I'll join. Oh, my God. Yes, because the
0: the backs of the clean teen t-shirts say Virgin for Life. So they're like, for life? And then Shelly was like, well, at least until marriage.
1: And then. Yeah, she says, but it, it just didn't have the same, like, ring to it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: But then then she says what you just said about brooking
1: yourself. <laughs> and then uh, Rachel also says, um she, she basically like interrupts the conversation because like again, Shelly is going on this whole anti-choice tirade. And then Rachel says, I'm sorry, um, when you brook yourself, um, do you do that alone or is it a group then? Because if it's a group then, I'm totally in. <laughs> <laughs> And I love, like, how she's doing, like, hand motions, like, the entire time. Like, you can't see me, listeners, but she's like, if it's a group fit, I'm totally in. Like, the way she's, like, moving her hands, like, it's just, I don't know, I find it so endearing. (laughs) Oh, my God, Rachel. (laughs) So, Shelly is talking to Brooke, and she says, like, oh, so your decisions are your own? And then Brooke says, yeah, my decisions are my own. And then Shelly's like, what about your baby's decision to be born? And I'm like, this is not... If, if Brooke is pregnant, this is not a baby. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. This is... And then, like, Ugh. uh... And then Shelly made it seem like, uh... She, she, she just she made it so reductive by saying something like, oh, uh, oh, are you just worried that you won't be able to fit into your prom dress? And in which case, if that is Brooke's biggest concern, so what? If she wants to fit into her prom dress, like, let her fit into her prom dress. I don't give a flying fuck.
0: So the issue I have with this, that, I don't know, Shelly is kind of a little, like, slightly aggressive in her approach. Like, she just kind of comes out saying all these things and shaming them. And they, you know, honestly, they didn't really even ask to interact with her that much. And she's just sharing all this stuff, which is, you know, the, the type of people like this tend to just go on, go on a rant when you don't even want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> right like this is the type of people that are out in this world
1: today and yeah th- like these types of people exist and i feel like you know shelly as a character is is an interesting it's an interesting type of person to see in this world but i feel like the message the show is trying to drive home is that abortion is wrong because as we find out toward the end of the episode that like oh um because we find, because we get reintroduced to Glenda, who we remember from episode three sixteen. She's now Goth, and she says that like, oh, Shelley was the biggest slut at church camp last summer, and we learn that Shelley actually did get pregnant the previous summer, and had an abortion. And she tells Brooke like, you gotta have this baby. You can't take it back. You can't take it back if you have an abortion. And it's like, it's great that she has this truth, but I feel like it's the lesson that, that the show was trying to tell us, the audience, is very harmful.
0: You know, it's okay for someone to feel regret about doing something like that. Yeah. But I feel like that that's a normal thing, and that's going to vary between person to person. But the issue that I have is that she is projecting that regret onto Brooke and other people. right? Which is not right. Because not everyone feels that way. And it's a very personal decision. And it's just a very personal thing that honestly, she needs to just keep to herself and not involve other people in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about the whole projection aspect of it. I remember, I feel like I've mentioned this before on another podcast, or maybe I just told you personally because i can't keep track of what conversations i had to you privately versus publicly i know, anymore, neither Caitlin. can i
0: like i <laughs> mentioned something earlier i think like didn't you say this
1: to me <laughs> um the, in the uh on jane the virgin uh shiomara has an abortion like later on in the series and i remember that was the first time i ever saw like an abortion portrayed in media where like she felt no regret whatsoever she was just she was pregnant And then, and maybe two episodes later, she's like, oh, I I had the abortion. I had the appointment. It was like, so matter of fact, like, it was just fine. Like, it was very interesting to see a character not feel any guilt. And I feel like that's really cool to see, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I would have to really think about other storylines in other shows, but that is a
1: good example yeah same thing uh on the bold type i feel like i've mentioned megan fahey on the bold type before but i she bears like mention it over and over again because i stan um on the bold type her character she doesn't have an abortion but she does have a miscarriage and the character actually feels relief when it happens because she didn't want to be pregnant and that was that was very interesting to see and she was actually crying because she felt relief over it like It's very interesting to see storylines like that, but for something like this, where I feel like the show is clearly trying to drive home, abortion is wrong, you're a baby killer, and it's just very, very harmful.
0: Yes. So you made me think of two different things. So, the pamphlets that were on Brooke's nightstand at the beginning of the episode that Rachel had left there, I think supports what you're saying, because there was one about abortion and everything, and I don't think Rachel was necessarily... Against it because she's kind
1: of. I think Rachel was actually forcing her to have an abortion. She, she
0: was like maybe pushing Brooke in the right direction, but I feel like the way the show is presenting it, still, I'm in agreement with you. Like just having those there and the and in addition to all the other things and the messaging that's going on in this episode, it's, yeah, they're they're leaning towards one direction. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like uh, Rachel is the one who's like basically saying, Brooke, you should have an abortion. You'd be a terrible mother and all this stuff. And I feel like Rachel is made to be portrayed as the villain in this situation. And granted, the way Rachel words herself probably isn't the most eloquent way. Like, you know, she, I feel like she could have presented herself much better, but I, I feel like she's not necessarily incorrect for doing this, but she is still portrayed as the villain in this situation. Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. That's a, good, that's a really good point. And What I find interesting is that like this choice is or really not so much a choice, but it's presented more so with Brooke. But with Haley, it's like we're assuming as the audience that she's having the baby. Because the way she reveals it to Lucas at the end, Mm. that whole conversation, I don't it doesn't even seem like it's a thought.
1: Right, like, as of right now, where we are in
0: like, the story, as of right now, it doesn't even seem like it was a thought that she might terminate the pregnancy.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because maybe it's all that, like, oh, Haley's a good girl, she obviously wouldn't have an abortion. Yeah. Whereas, she's like, married. You know, Brooke... yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what the show is really trying to drive home. Oh, she's pregnant, at least she's married. Yep. am like, girl, no. <laughs> This is this is just apropos of nothing, but in the uh, the scene where Shelly first gets introduced, because she overhears Brooke and Haley talking, and then Brooke is like, "Rachel thinks I should have an abortion." In the background, there is a sign that says "Lady Ravens," and I don't think we've ever actually seen that before. Lady Ravens. I guess that's the sh- that's the name of the cheerleading squad, the Lady Ravens. I don't think I've ever seen that's that. weird. Anyway. <laughs> Just wanted to bring that up real quickly. I thought it was weird. So, anyway, continue with what you were about to say.
0: (laughs) Just one other general statement or comment about this whole thing. I feel like in shows and movies and things, like, these abortion storylines, there should be variations in in people's experiences. Because some people might feel regret. And some... I think it's okay to show it as an emotional thing. Because I feel like probably for most people... When you're making that decision, it is an emotional thing, and that's okay. But I feel like the shame, shame messaging, or shame—I don't know how to—I to, <laughs> don't know how to name that. But like the shameful messaging that's in this episode is is wrong, um, and makes me feel kind of icky. You know, like there, yeah. like there's no choice, or that the choice that the that the woman is making is the wrong one Or this is the right
1: one It's... I don't know And, and there's a lot of projection On both sides too because You know we see Shelley projecting her own Issues on the Brooke and then we also see Rachel Like maybe Rachel's not necessarily Projecting something on the Brooke but she's also Forcing Brooke to do One particular thing that she's very passionate about Yeah. Whereas what I feel like Brooke needs Is for somebody to say like Hey like you know What, what do you want to do I will support you with whatever you want to do. Whether that's having the baby or not having the baby. Yeah.
0: I know. no one's. Com- Everyone's going to Brooke and asking, like, is this true? Or, in Rachel's case, assuming it's true. And no one's supporting her. They're actually saying terrible things about her as a mother. Or a potential yeah. even, mother. Even
1: Mouth, too. Mouth even says, like, I think you should have this baby. And I'm like... Who asks you what, she, what you want now? Like, what does Brooke want? Yeah, that is the wrong thing
0: to say. Like, telling someone what they should do or what you think they should do. Unless Ugh. someone asks you that directly <laughs> and wants your opinion, you can't just, like, share that. Because that's, that's traumatic. Because you For don't know real. what the person who's pregnant is thinking. <laughs>
1: I remember uh, a few years after this episode aired, it was the uh, first season of the 902-whatever reboot. Not to be confused with Beverly Hills 90210 or BH 90210. I'm talking about just 90210, which aired on the CW between the years 2009 and 2013. 2008 and 2013. Whatever. I remember watching (laughs) a little bit of that, actually. I watched everything except the last season because I went away to college and I did not have the CW at college. And... To this day, I have yet to see the final season. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, no, that's either here nor there. But I remember there's a there's a season one storyline where one of the teen characters gets pregnant, what, and her best friend comes to her and says, like, like if you want to have this baby, I'll take you to Lamaze classes, and if you don't want to have this baby, then I'll take you to the clinic, and if you still don't know what to do, then I'll sit with you until you can decide... And I thought that that was revolutionary at that time, in 2008-2009, when that aired.
0: Yeah, that is. And I feel
1: like that's what Brooke needs. He, again, Brooke's not pregnant, but this is what a teenager would need in this situation.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what anyone needs in that situation. It's just to know that someone is there for them, or multiple people are there for them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, like, don't force anything on the other person. Just listen to what the teen wants. L- listen, Not even the teen. Listen to what, like, anybody wants in this situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. So, okay. So, shall we talk about a little bit about this pregnancy misdirect, though? I know we've been talking around it, but... What are yeah. your thoughts?
0: <laughs> um, I don't really understand why Brooke has to be the one who is pregnant in this situation. I don't think it's fair to her. And I think Haley has to um, just, you kind of have to just deal with the situation head on. I think the fact that she's been keeping it from Nathan this long is not right either.
1: Which I don't get, like, personally. He's someone that
0: she could at least... Talk to about this, you know? Yeah. And make a decision together. Um yeah, I I wish Brooke wasn't involved. In in terms of like watching this for the first time back when this originally aired, it it was like a fun twist. But now looking at it more critically, I feel like the way it's done. <laughs> it's not that great.
1: <laughs> tell me more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just really confusing because, like, Brooke's denying it, but everyone is assuming that she is pregnant and Rachel is pushing that theory onto Brooke. <laughs> I don't know. The writing behind it doesn't seem that strong to me now that I'm looking at it more critically.
1: We, well, we do know that Rachel did tell everyone Brooke was pregnant, yeah. basically as a revenge for Brooke handing out posters all over school. yeah. yeah. Which, ugh, eye roll.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was not too cool. I don't know. I don't know if I have much more to say about it. I I just don't think the writing is as strong looking back at it. Because, I don't know, Brooke's, like, denying it, but it's kind of clear, like, she's not pregnant. But, like, there's something going on. I don't know. How did you feel about that? I See, it's so hard to know, like, compare, like, a first-time watch versus, like, now, when I obviously knowing, know that Brooke yeah. did not get pregnant in this moment.
1: <laughs> I, I will say it is still pretty damn clever, because if you re-watch not only this episode, but the first three episodes of the season, knowing that Haley is actually pregnant, it is pretty interesting knowing those details. Like, for example, when, like, when Brooke and Haley are in the... Are at the doctor's appointment, and the doctor just says, Well, you're definitely pregnant. And the camera goes to Brooke first. And I feel like us as the audience, we just immediately get triggered, like, Oh, it's Brooke who's pregnant. Yeah. And then Haley's just next to her. But if you pay attention to the facial expressions, Brooke is like very concerned. She's like, Oh my God, my dear friends. And then, like, ha- you see, Haley puts her hand in Brooke's, and then Brooke is like comforted Haley. Like, th- like, the way their body language is, is really. Like, knowing what you know, it's very interesting.
0: So, I feel like that cafe scene when they're talking was strategically written. I feel like that's one of the stronger scenes. Yeah. Um, That was in, I don't know, it was two episodes
1: ago, maybe? I think it was in 4.02. Yeah, I think
0: it was 4.02. So, I thought that one was well done, but it's so it's so vague, I guess. Even, like, when they're on the hospital... Like, in the hospital, or at the doctor's office, and they're both sitting on the, up on the thing. It points to Brooke, but why are they both sitting on that table, you know?
1: Uh, I mean, I think Brooke was just, like, yeah. you know, being supportive okay. of Haley in that situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've shared everything I've had to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. have anything else that you want to point out?
1: Yeah, no, no I just wanna I just wanna know like another scene that uh I think that's in the same episode, episode 402, Karen is uh talking to Haley and Karen's like, Do you know if Brooke is pregnant? And then Haley is like, Oh, I I don't Whereas like Haley could have just said no, <laughs> she's not pregnant. <laughs> I feel like it's like leading a little bit too hard into the mystery yeah, yeah, aspect of it. You know, so I, I, I was like uh i was eating away at myself trying to figure out how to talk about that two episodes ago and now here i am and can i just say listeners if you haven't listened to our spoiler segment like i had so much anxiety trying to talk around this pregnancy (laughs) for the past three episodes because i was like should we say that Brooke is pregnant or would that be too much (laughs) so we just kind of avoided it we just kind of avoided it. We just said, there is 18 pregnancy.
0: <laughs>
1: Without saying directly, like, who it was or anything like that. But, but yeah, like, I agree with you, that, Like, I, oh, I, there is one scene in this episode that I do want to talk about, actually. The episode, the, the scene where Nathan is uh, talking to uh, Haley at the bar at Trick. And he he says that, like, oh, I hear that Brooke is pregnant. Like, oh, God, how do you just tell a guy that his life is over? And knowing what you know later in the episode, that scene is very heartbreaking to watch.
0: Yeah, that scene, in addition to, like, everything else, it's just another example of another person kind of projecting their feelings, you know? on Like, everyone has an opinion about it. So that's just—I yeah. mean—Nathan's opinion like truly matters, but uh, everyone else, like everyone in this episode, has some kind of opinion. So it is a difficult scene to watch.
1: Right. It's so it's so weird. But I will say, like, uh, like a lot of these scenes, no like, no one Haley is pregnant. It's very interesting in a rewatch, like the scene with uh, with Deb. How like Deb is like, oh, I'll save you some pills. And, you know, and Haley is obviously feeling insecure because she's like, oh, wow, I am pregnant and my husband is going to be playing house with me, essentially. You know, it it is, uh, it is interesting watching from her perspective, but it's just, well, what am I trying to say here? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) like That's okay. I just had that moment. (laughs) It's, it's only interested like, uh... It's interesting watching it for your first time because you're like, oh yeah, it's whist. But I feel like a lot of these scenes are much more interested knowing that Haley is pregnant. So it's like I feel like you miss out on something either way. Yeah, they could have done
0: the storyline like that where they revealed to us almost right away that Haley was the one who was pregnant, but Brooke was covering for it.
1: I don't know. I like I said, I still feel like the storyline is like kind of cool and kind of like interested to see play out, but there are some issues that i recognize here
0: yeah yeah i don't think the writing is necessarily the best in every scene but there are some scenes that are cool of how they did it
1: overall yeah and then brooke toward the end of the episode she gets drunk and she says like "Haley, i can't do this anymore i can't be pregnant anymore
0: I don't know why you needed then, to be in the first place, Brooke.
1: I don't get it at all. You were never pre- also. You were never pregnant. So, what do you mean you can't be pregnant anymore?
0: Yeah, because you see her. The thing is, and at the beginning of that scene, you see her drinking, and at
1: that point, we think she's pregnant. Wait, why does she, she? drinking? does she drink?
0: or do they have wristbands here? Or are they actually drinking
1: alcohol? I, I like, don't, wasn't it, I, I thought she was know. kind of
0: being portrayed as like kind of drunk, oops on the steps, steps, yeah. That's what I
1: mean. Yeah, and that's what, like, you know, I mean, us as the audience. If you don't know the twist, you're like, oh my god, she's drinking while that's, she's pregnant. What is that's wrong? That's what I yeah. mean. Yeah, but yeah, by, by that point, like, th- that's the last scene where like Brooke is quote unquote pregnant. So, you know, it's revealed yeah. later yeah. on. But yeah, she says she can't be pregnant anymore. I'm like, Brooke, you were never pregnant. So like, what what is this? I th- I feel like these the writers were so concerned with trying to like mislead us. That somewhere along the way, they forgot to make an interesting episode along the way.
0: Yeah. And like, Haley revealing that to Lucas before she's revealed it to Nathan is kind of. Wow.
1: Yeah. We'll get into that when we talk about Dakota. Yeah. But first off, let's talk about Derek being a fucking creep.
0: Yeah, so this whole episode. Um, Lucas is kind of growing a little bit suspicious of Derek because he's noticing, like, he's taking a lot of pictures and they might be at weird angles of Peyton, like her butt. Um, And then later on at Trick, Derek, he lies to Peyton and says that, um, well, first off, he says what he overheard. He thinks that Brooke is pregnant with Lucas's baby. And then,
1: Which is a valid thing. Yeah, which was a valid thing to
0: overhear. But then he also adds this lie that Lucas said that, you know, if Brooke were to take him back, he would never talk to Peyton again. Which is not true.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And it should be noted that earlier, too, uh, this is when Peyton told Derek that she's going to confess to Lucas about her feelings now that Brooke and Lucas are officially done. Yeah, so
0: that totally complicates things. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And then... Peyton confronts Lucas about it and says, "So, I guess that's it between us then. You know, Brooke's maybe pregnant now and I I guess you're going back to her and I guess that that's it. That's that's it between us." And he's yeah, like, and then "Wait." Lucas is like, "I would never." What? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, I would never just like completely shut you out of my life like that." And Lucas figures out, you know, like Derek was the one who said that, and then Lu- and Peyton was wondering, well, maybe I, maybe he misunderstood something or misheard something. So that just makes Lucas grow even more suspicious. And then that night, when they're when uh, Derek and Peyton were saying goodbye, Lucas sees Derek sniff Peyton's hair. As, like, another yep. creepy thing. <laughs> so, like, all of these <laughs> creepy things are kind of, like, adding up. And then us, as the audience, is seeing, like, Lucas's suspicion and seeing all of these things from the perspective of what we know that happened at the end of the last episode. Where he has that whole wall of images of Peyton. Pictures of Peyton that he's uh, taken. Yeah. Or found. Yeah.
1: Did you also see, like, his uh, facial expression, like, right after uh, Peyton said she was going to tell Lucas how she felt? and like you know when she walks away he has like this really like malicious look on his face and he like moves his neck and like i don't think this actually happens but i just imagine his neck snapping and cracking <laughs> but it's very creepy he plays that part so well mhm
0: um like just like you said like the the mannerisms like just everything creates this creepy guy and oh man, so like as the audience, yeah. we are highly suspicious, and I won't reveal. Um, we'll talk about the
1: coda in a second, but uh, let's talk about the coda. Or, yeah, right or now. Let's do it. Okay,
0: I didn't know if you had anything
1: <laughs> else to say. <laughs> no, I, I'm ready. So, the coda is uh, the song I Am the Highway by Audio Slave, and to add to the whole thing about uh, about Eric. We're at Trick, and then this is when Peyton is with Lucas, and she realizes that the jacket Ellie gave her is gone. She left it on the stage, and now it's gone.
0: Then we're in Karen's kitchen. Um, Dan knocks on the door and starts to talk to Karen and says that he, he had talked to Lucas earlier in the day, and Karen actually offers coffee for him to stay. And didn't she give up coffee during her pregnancy? <laughs> I know right I think you can have limited amount like a cup
1: so maybe this is just unless her she, cup <laughs> yeah unless she was just saying that to Dan just because she didn't want to deal with him at that moment in maybe. time but it's just funny to think about so
0: it seems like Karen is warming up to Dan in this moment I don't know really why
1: because drama yep <laughs> And uh, speaking of warming up to people, it looks like Nathan may also be warming up to Rachel because at the river where the accident occurred, this is when Rachel tells Nathan that she saw Keith in the water.
0: Oh boy. Dun, dun, dun. You know, it's going to grab his attention. So then we are in Brooke and Rachel's bedroom, and Mouth comes to Brooke to talk to her and tells her that she would make a good mother. Which is like the nicest thing anyone has said to her, I guess, so far in this episode. <laughs> and they hug, and she tells Mouth, I need to tell you something.
1: Cuts to Lucas' room where Haley walks in and says, I need to tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. something. <laughs> and then this is when uh, Lucas is like, I can't believe Brooke didn't tell me that she was pregnant. Then Haley says, Luke, it's not Brooke, it's me. I'm pregnant. And then this is when she cries, saying that she's scared. And then Lucas says it's going to be okay, because this kid is going to have a great uncle, which cute to see him fulfill the Keith role.
0: Yeah, that would be really cute. Yeah. Then in Peyton's room, we see her looking at photos of her and Derek on the computer.
1: Then we go to Derek's hotel room, and we see a sex worker dressed just like Peyton complete with the jacket that was missing from trick and she's looking at the wall of the of the peyton of the peyton photos and she's like oh you got it bad and then this is when derek offers her a blonde wig and you know he's he's like looking at all the photos like he's getting like really creepily turned on a little bit it seems like and then we see a shot of his back he's removing the tank top and on his back is the tattoo of the Angel of Death, which was taken from Ellie Strollen. And if you recall, in the last episode, he did said he'd find a special place for it.
0: Oh my, Jeremy. <laughs> oh yeah. my. So it's interesting to see this scene paired with the ending of the last episode, because the last episode... You see like it zooms out with all of those images on Derek's wall of Peyton. And now we're seeing like a different kind of version of that. Like now he's with someone who is dressing like Peyton and it's kind of like escalating from this this obsession with the photos to now he's like acting on it.
1: Yeah, fun fact this uh this actress also was the uh stand-in for Hillary. Oh, wow. On the show. I could see it. We learned that from Drama yeah, Queens. Yeah,
0: I, They <laughs> so have shared so many tidbits on Drama Queens. I don't think I can remember them all.
1: <laughs> so that was, I, I can't remember them all either, but I'm very proud of myself for <laughs> remembering that little tidbit. Oh. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> so we also have Lucas's voiceover, which runs through the entirety of this coda. So I'm just going to read the whole thing together. There comes a time when every life goes off course. In this desperate moment, who will you be? Will you let down your defenses and find solace in someone unexpected? Will you reach out? Will you face your greatest fear bravely and move forward with faith? Or will you succumb to the darkness
1: in your soul? Dun dun dun. And Derek is succumbing to the darkness in his soul, it seems like. It took a dark turn, that's for sure, in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's
0: it is interesting as an audience member to know to know something is up, to see Lucas start to question these little things, and then like we get this whole thing at the end, like to confirm that Derek is in fact a creep. We are not making all of this up. He just didn't have a random yeah. collage of photos of Peyton in his room.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So many questions. Yes. Like, is this uh is this an incest thing going on? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite quote? <laughs> I, I'm i
0: going to be honest. I had a really tough time. There wasn't really like a quote that I absolutely loved in this episode. So I'm just going to go with um, Lucas's ending voiceover. Just because I liked how it paired with the coda. I, I know I said this for the, the previous episode too. That was my favorite quote. But I did like how that quote like. Paired with the images in the coda and, like, the tension was kind of building with the Derek stuff. It was kind of, like, a, a cool thing. Okay. Yeah, what about okay, you?
1: Okay. I picked uh, comedic lines. So, honorable mention is when uh Brooke's, Brooke is talking about the, uh, uh, Nathan having a motorcycle and she's talking to Haley. And she says, okay, just think about it this way. Most guys buy a motorcycle because they're compensated for, you know... Nathan wears size 14s, <laughs> but my actual favorite is what I said earlier from Rachel. I'm sorry. Um, when you brook yourself, um, do you do that alone or is it a group thing? Because if it's a group thing, I'm totally in.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely your favorite quote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just like, yo, like desegregate a group sex. I like this. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't even know if there's stigma behind groups, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm saying if there is, Rachel is destigmatizing it and I like it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> or group brook yourself, not necessarily Well, no, that is sex So You know what? That is still sex. Let's not forget virginity as a social construct. Yep, we need that
0: reminder. <laughs> Any- <laughs> anyway. <laughs> my favorite musical moment was the same. It's the same song, but obviously a different moment than the previous episode, Post Blue by Placebo. I loved it in the last episode because it played during the basketball scene and it was really cool. But this episode, it plays during um, the Rachel modeling scene with Maxim. And then also it is paired with uh, Nathan on the motorcycle. And I just, the energy behind it and the fact that those two characters it was kind of going back and forth between them. And that line, "It's in the water, baby," like repeating over and over, that's because that's yeah. what they're trying to figure out. You know, like who's in the in the water and like what happened that the day of the accident and everything. So
1: it does a good job of showing that there is a connection between these two characters, yeah. even if the show doesn't necessarily follow through with it. I feel like I keep like spoiling this whole thing for for listeners, but. It, it it's just the truth, and I don't want any any listeners to like get their hopes up that there's gonna be something that happens here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it does show the connection between the characters and yeah, I that's also my favorite musical moment as well because I really like the song in general too. Like I wanna have a uh I wanna have a sexy photo <laughs> shoot while the song is playing personally.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so like I an empowering a, scene, I think, for uh Rachel, for sure.
1: Yeah. I do have a friend who does, like, sexy boudoir photo shoots. Maybe I should just, like, have her shoot me, and I'll just be this song. <laughs> playing, like, on a loop. I love for, like, it. Oh, an, my God. For, like, it. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anywho, What do you
0: rate this episode, Jeremy?
1: Uh, I feel like there's a lot of great ideas in this episode, but... And I feel like we talked a lot about, like, some of the issues with... The pregnancy storyline Some of the issues with Deb The the whole anti-choice Narrative that the show is trying to push through But there still are a few good ideas So I'm giving it 3 out of 5 Hometown hotties And
0: I also give it 3 out of 5 Leather jackets mm. Yeah it's you know So far this season there haven't been Um any really Standout episodes to me Personally This one was slightly better But, yeah, I think we kind of covered issues with some of the storylines, like the pregnancy one, and, like, there were definitely some good scenes on this episode, but I also don't like the clean teen stuff. No. Or at least in this episode. Um, Yeah, there was more that I didn't like than I liked, so I'm sticking with three out of five.
1: That is fair. That is fair.
0: Maybe the next one will be a little bit better.
1: It could be. We'll say.
0: Fingers <laughs> crossed. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always and Forever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D.
1: Always and Forever is also on Patreon. You can support us over on patreon.com slash alwaysothbond to gain access to various assorted goodies. These include our private Discord server, where you can chat with us and other listeners, and bonus episodes. This includes our Drama Queen's Reaction Podcast, Royal Review, our movie podcast, Baker Soundstage, and our spoiler-full mini podcast. Um, We just released an episode where we talked about our favorite horror movie episodes of One Tree Hill, which is very thematically related to what we just saw here. And maybe potentially we have an episode about anti-choice narratives in One Tree Hill that you can look out for. It may be out already. Who knows? (laughs) We're not... We have plenty of things (laughs) in the works, so... (laughs) (laughs) But, But that episode will come out at some point. We can guarantee that. Yes. You can also get access to early episode releases.
0: But if you can't support us on Patreon, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's the easiest way to support us and to help One Hill fans new and old find us. And if you leave us a review, we may read it on the show.
1: Yes, please. It's been a while since we read a review, too. I know. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and fuck Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at rodriguez jeremy underscore
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm caitlin ellenich you can follow me on twitter and it will always be called twitter in my mind at miss i (laughs) i don't tweet a ton but like you can catch me
1: there (laughs) thank goodness we'll be seeing ya ya. whoa beat you you did next time i got you